creativity is a different type of intelligence. It's like, it's being able to see a problem, think of something to solve it, and have compassion with that person. Mm. And that's like a higher level of intelligence. It's not just looking at something and going, oh, that's screwed. Oh, well, isn't the world bad? Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing? Welcome. Thank you for listening. Hope you're good. What have you been up to? The weather this week is playful because we've got Playground Design Studio founder Karma Masson. Karma, I apologise in advance if I've butchered your surname, but I am from Yorkshire and I don't really know how to say names beyond Smith and maybe Davis. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else. Cheers for checking in as ever everyone welcome if you're new to the show Welcome back if you're not if you're a regular uh, exciting show coming up today Cam is awesome full of energy met her recently at a Petch Cooch talk uh, I think I met her before that very briefly but we had a good chat there And I had to get her on the show to find out what Playground was all about because it's a fantastic recent company I think she's been going a little over a year maybe about a year and a half now because I've taken my time in getting this podcast out but it's a very exciting multidisciplinary practice and we will get into that shortly but first got to quickly thank the sponsors who keep this show free support this show so you've got to support them yourselves that's the deal thank you illustrationweb.com fantastic illustration agency supporting animators gift makers muralized lettering specialists fashion illustrators you name it they've got it going on broad broad range of illustrative talent Supporting the industry in many, many different ways too, in partnership with the likes of the Association of Illustrators, the Society of Artists Agents, um, all sorts of good stuff. Great company, go and check them out. Fantastic little news website up there too, giving you insights into projects, how it's working in the commercial industry, how you can contact them if you want representation, all the good stuff. Go and check them out, illustrationweb.com. The AOI.com Association of Illustrators, fantastic organisation working hard on behalf of the illustration industry, providing support with the likes of contractual advice, um, dealing with clients, pricing, business empowerment campaign recently was a special, special thing. Very important. Lots of great pointers there for getting your business profitable. Um, reflecting your abilities with the money you are able to earn, quoting, it's all going on, go and have a look. Um, new pricing calculator going on recently, that's an exciting new tool too. So go and check it out, uh, membership well worth getting, these guys are fantastic. Head back to episode 44 for my interview with them to dig a little deeper on that one, so thank you very much, that's the business out the way. What have you guys been up to? Let us know. Uh, always happy to share content events uh want to hear what you're up to if you've got any suggestions for guests for the show we'll get into that but first before i get back onto karma and today's guests i do just want to say that i mentioned in the last episode i'm going to take a short break from the podcast before long so there's a few big personal events going on in my life and i'm going to focus on my illustration studio for the first time in a long time i am going to be an illustrator and focus on that entirely uh, it's kind of exciting because i've not done that for a long time i've been running around doing all sorts first it was quench music then it was champagne and wax crayons bringing out a book um, and then it was this thing, and then it's been lecturing, and it's been all sorts, and all the while illustration has been my main breadwinner, but it has been a long time since I've given it all my attention and love and tried to grow, so that's exciting, many new big projects on the horizon, so I'm going to be doing that and taking a little time out 
got today's show and then one more episode which is on self-promotion and it's with Dion Kitchen Illustrator um, and then I'm going to leave you to it for a little while I don't know how long it's an indetermined period of time at this point but I will promise you return to the podcast um, the episodes are going to be on a more sporadic as and when basis when it feels right it's not going to be the bi-weekly or the weekly that it used to be just because it's oh, it's a big demand and I love doing this thing but my brain is one of those that needs variation and it tends to go in cycles. So for a while I may be really hot on one thing and do that and learn a lot from it. But then when it feels right to shelf it for a little while, that's what I do and that's what's going on. I love this show. I will always probably do it in some capacity, but they've been intense uh, and I'm over 140 episodes as we speak. So there's a lot to digest there and having spoken to a lot of regular listeners, even they admitted that they had trouble keeping up sometimes and they're dipping in and out of certain episodes. So I'm just going to scale it back a little bit, I think. Take a little breather while these personal things are going on in my life. Um, and I'll come back when it feels right. So watch this space. Certainly open to ideas of live shows and the rest of it. Speaking of, go back and check out Anna Hollinrick's episode of Video Game Illustrator and Art Director live at DNAD Festival, which he did recently. It was a fantastic event. Loved doing it, thanks to the guys at DNAD, especially Nicola for making it so... Uh, and thanks to Anna for taking the time to come and be my wonderful guest. It has been a massive hit, no surprise to me. Um, big numbers, big feedback. Uh, Anna is very popular and a real prodigy in the gaming industry and animation for a great reason. So go back and check out that episode. Uh, loads to get through there. So I am going to leave you to it after the next episode. But for now, I've got the wonderful camera mass on, so I'm not going to stand on ceremony. We'll get into it. So her practice playground is a young multidisciplinary design studio based in Manchester focused on creating playful, engaging and memorable spaces and places for people. Key to our work is a strong narrative um, and bold use of shape and colour. Our work ranges from architecture to exhibition design to interior design to art installations to furniture design to community workshops to set design and public realm design. And as you're going to hear very shortly, Karma is an absolute bundle of energy and full of ideas and wonderful experience and memories and tries to make sense in a beautiful, colourful, playful, exciting way, creating her own memories. So we are going to get into all that. We're going to talk about creativity in childhood how novelty cakes, oversized novelty cakes and VHS dens were important parts of her childhood and how the family ethos and ways of doing things have made a, a significant positive imprint on her practice. And also drawbacks, the way she uh, makes sense of the world in her mind, the um, the constant war between pragmatism and playfulness that goes on in a lot of our heads you know uh, how we all just want to get messy and play but sometimes we have to pay those bills and it's not always in the most creatively pure way that we have to do it so I think it's a fascinating episode with a fascinating character. We're going to talk about her happiness in the mundane sometimes, the simple tasks. That's certainly something I can relate to. Stuff in my envelopes with the receipts sometimes is kind of a therapeutic thing come at the end of the tax year. Sitting there, sticking on an old wrestling pay-per-view from the 1990s uh, and just going through the banal stuff and it feels good at the end of the day and it's an important part of being a creative business. So I get it. I relate to a lot of the things Karma says and a lot of the aspects of her character. So I'm fascinated to know what you guys think. Let me know. At arrest all mimics on the social media hello at bentallen.com on the email few people have got in touch recently suggesting guests or putting themselves forward and i do apologize i've been slow in getting back like i said it's been a busy personal time it's been a hectic workload i've got one of those intense you know like half a year's worth of work crammed into a month at the moment so my head is a little fuzzy you can probably tell um, and it's one of the reasons i'm going to scale this thing back for a short while and take a breather while i get on top of everything 
Um, so apologies to those guys. We'll get back to you. I've been making notes of people who've put themselves forward or other suggestions, and I do have a short list of people to come back to as and when I get this thing moving again. So apologies for my tardiness. And thank you for your patience. Um, so yeah, Karma, she's awesome. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Quick second thank you for the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, theaoi.com. Um, that's about it. Without further ado, here we go. Karma Masson from Playground Design Studio. Where are you from? I'm from Kent. Yeah. yeah. What, what have you, you're quite an interesting person. Like you seem to have a lot of energy. Was that always the case? Would you consider yourself a creative kid? Um, yeah, definitely. I think... Actually, I was, I was talking to my dad about this last night because I was like, oh God, I'm talking to this guy this day. Like, what, what was I like as a child? And um, my dad was a bit like, uh, he basically said to me, he said that we, ins- the, his bottom line of what he said, it was quite a long conversation. Um, the bottom line of what he said was that we always inspired you to do lots of different things mm-hmm. and find your own feet. And I think that's right. Like, you know, I, I so I was like a dancer, but then I was um, really creative. So my mum is a, my mum, well, mom, my mum's a home economics teacher, and uh, so that involved cooking and sewing. Mm. And uh, my dad owned a stationery business, which was kind of like art supplies and stuff. So basically, if I wanted anything artistic in any way, I just got it for free. Brilliant. So I was the kid at university in architecture that turned up with every piece on the, you know, the list of things, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think because of that, I kind of, you know, was able to kind of experiment with, you know, there's always like pastels or watercolors or. Um, paper mache or like uh, you know bits around the house or fabric as well so my mum was pretty much always on the sewing machine um, always making us costumes or um, you, know, you know she used to prop up her heart and someone to make us costumes and that and my um, or making these like massive novelty crazy cakes that she still does now um, so I think as a child you know I could always you know bake or make something um, and I think as well as a child I was always making dens that was the other thing I was oh, so, and I still want it now. I really want to run a TP making workshop. <laughs> but I'm a bit like, I'm always on this like, double-edged sword of be serious about business. No, make TPs. Um, so, <laughs> make TPs now. Invite all your friends to make them with you. Yeah. Um, so, I'm a bit, so yeah, basically just make dens. Normally out of tapes, like, you know, VHS tapes. I stack them up. Wow. And then put, like, a blanket. There were that many VHSes. Yeah, and also, also my, we, uh, no, we did, we did. Literally, we had a wall of VHSes in our house. Like, a complete wall. Um, that or my dad also was really good at growing stuff so gardening as well was something like I was never that interested in gardening but my dad was always gardening so helping him sometimes would be like can you go, come and help me you know, you know water the plants and stuff but mm-hmm. then there was always um, he's quite good at like handy um, like, like a handyman as well so he does gardening now like professionally but um, so there was always a lot of kind of gardening stuff lying around so uh, and painting stuff so he was always like painting something in the house um, and he had like a little workshop so quite often he'd make TVs now out of like dust sheets and things or he would make us like he'd have those old pallets lying around so we'd make he'd make us I remember he made us like a little pallet house once um, and a tree house and then like that was like a shop um, yeah so, so it's generally yeah den making was a, was a big thing and then obviously all the kind of um, as a child like you know playing on the street and stuff as well you know like cycling and yeah. games and stuff and all that kind of thing but yeah definitely as a child it was very multi kind of everything um I think also yeah that comes from my parents they you know we, we did everything I was one of those kids that you know every night I had you know swimming and then ballet and then this and then this that like, every night I had three or four things I was doing and every single mm. weekend um a lot of things I don't know anymore like the violin lessons 
weren't that great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could play the violin if I tried now. Um, but yeah, lots of dancing and lots of um, yeah art stuff, basically. That's fantastic. So, Can you always... Stories like that, I mean, I've got a lot of parallels there in terms of like the den making and that. Yeah. I always think, I always think of it as magic because it's just such a, as a kid, it is pure and it's like a, that explorative thing and it's, just, it's so instinctive. Yeah. That it makes me sad when kids are discouraged for whatever reason from, from something as simple as don't get dirty, I don't make a mess. Yeah. Right through to when kids get older, the classic thing of, is that going to make you any money? It's that, I think yeah. it, there has to be purity in that, in that phase. And it makes me sad that more, less, like, what, the adults don't do that enough. Yeah. I, I mean, okay, we're not going to hang out in like, the local bushes making dens because mm. it just wouldn't work you as do. a fully grown adult. <laughs> but as you said, with the TP making things, I think people put these unnecessary restrictions on themselves because yeah. it's like, oh, grow up or whatever. That yeah, that's what my is. dad was saying. My dad said that his way of parenting was always that we never tried to put any restrictions on you, like ever. But then, as I said, I think I said in my talk, like I felt like there was, when it came to like, what are you going to universe, there was a little bit of like, you know, don't pick something too artistic. Mm. So, um, but I think that comes from my family. Like my family is like very artistic, but also very practical. We're very academic. So my brother's like a fellow at Cambridge. My sister runs like, you know, mm. her own business. My sister's, you know, works at National Gallery and, you know, writing some books and stuff. So like, we're all quite academic, but we're also really artistic as well. Um, so I think, yeah, like, there, there has always been that thing. It's like, be a dreamer, but also be practical about it. You need the measure. You need, you so need I that think that's balance. a kind of weird thing to say, but uh, I think that's maybe that's my whole personality. Like, I am very much, like, I get really, like, part of me just wants to run a business where I make crazy stuff all day long mm. and just muck about, you know, and that's what I do. But then I freak out quite often and go, you know, I need to be doing something sensible. I need to build a building quickly so that everyone thinks I'm an architect. Yeah. Or I, or I suddenly yeah, freak out and go, um, yeah, is that going to make me any money? Or yeah, I just have that moment. And also, like, I have a really bad social conscience. Really, really bad. I can't. Every time I do something, um, I have a social nagging. Very often, um, you know, is you know, you're using these materials. You're using, you know, whatever. What are you kind of teaching the world and doing this? Yeah. Or you know, so everything I do. Like even simple stuff like the rabbits I did for Fred Aldous, you know, yeah, they're great, colourful rabbits, but I wanted to teach someone something, like, with it, you know, and it was all about, if you read the bit that was on the window, it was all about, like, the history of the Easter rabbit, you know, where that's come from, and I always want someone to, like, learn something from it. I don't want it just to be, oh, that's a colourful thing, it's quite yeah. fun. And I think that comes from, particularly my dad and my family as well, because um, my dad is really into philosophy, and, you know, our family... <laughs> it's quite funny our family is like a family of helpers we always go away to help other people at our own expense quite often mm. so I've been burnt quite a couple of times for doing that by like overly helping people um, not burnt but like I always go to help people and they're a bit like whoa chill out like <laughs> I don't need you to like help me with everything in my whole life so um, but yeah I think that's naturally what we as a family are quite like, like yeah. so um, yeah so have you still have you always being quite sympathetic to your character in that, in, in the sense that like you said there about that kind of conflicting thing of pragmatism and dream. No, I'm really harsh on myself. Yeah, really, really harsh. Like, um, I pretty much flip between two personalities most of the time. Like, yeah, let's play. No, do some work. So, <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm really, really harsh on myself. Um, and I literally flip between yeah, whether I'm. Um, I have different days and, and also it kind of I'm quite susceptible to how other people encourage me so if I have like a meeting with a friend or not meeting like a drink with a friend or something 
and they're like, yeah, I love this, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do more of that, yeah. <laughs> or if I have, like, a meeting with my business, like, mentor, and she's like, how are you going to make money? I'm like, yeah, I need to get serious. I need to think of some ideas and have to get serious. So, yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm always, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly in a conflict, you know. But make, I think most, most artists I think, people are. Yeah. It's not, I don't think I'm unique in that at all. So. Absolutely not. Everyone that I, I could, God, I, I, countless people I could name who are in the same situation, just different nuances, you know. It's, it's something that we all have to cope with really mm. because but isn't isn't that why we're good at this because we are these kind of sensitive yeah interested people who see the, the world in layers but yeah i definitely time. think that i think like i was trying to explain to someone the other day about sounding really i don't know what the word is but like you know really not art myself but like really like i was trying to talk about how i think creativity is like a different type of intelligence i wasn't referring to me i was referring to someone else i was like he's really interesting because he has like a different type of intelligence i think creativity is a different type of intelligence it's like it's being able to see a problem, think of something to solve it, and have compassion with that person. Mm. And that's like a higher level of intelligence. It's not just looking at something and going, oh, that's screwed. Oh, well, isn't the world bad? Yeah. Like, it's, it's identifying that person, having compassion for them, and then trying to solve it. And I think that is, like a, in a way, like a higher level of intelligence in many respects, because I think a lot of people just look at stuff face value and then walk on. Yeah. And I think, and I, I think everyone that's a creative has that. I think that's why creative people are really interesting because they do always have that. They don't just look at stuff face value. They always mm. look further or try and investigate or try and help in some way. Try to see the spectrum, don't they? See the origin and, and, and why some, something is a certain way as opposed to just, like you say, taking it on face value. Yeah, it's really, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, but it always comes the whole thread of call it what you want mental health, sensitivity, whatever it is, it always comes up, always, always in yeah, these yeah, conversations definitely. because it's just um, it's just what makes us good for this. It's well suited to it, but the flip side is that we're also quite vulnerable people. I think, I think yeah, like, I think about this a lot, and this is something I've come to kind of, you know, realize myself like my biggest, biggest asset myself, and this has come up, you know, in numerous meetings of other people, but my biggest asset, I believe myself, is my imagination. And I think most creative people would say that. Like, I think what makes me unique is I have a really good imagination. Um, and not even unique, but creative people in general unique is a really good imagination. And I think that's my like best asset. But um, it's also my worst asset because it also makes me... For example, I can't walk on a dark alley without expecting a monster to jump out of me. Um, so, so I can't sleep. In a, so I can't sleep in the dark. I have to have the light on, like because I imagine something is going to come. And this comes from childhood, I think. There's loads of things like that. Um, loads of really dumb situations. I'm in the woods. I'm assuming someone's going to chase me. You know, I'm. It's not always based on me getting <laughs> attacked <laughs> by something, but like. Generally, but, but also, it also means in, you know, you see a job and you go, like a, you know, a really potential job that you want to do and you think, oh, it's amazing, I'm going to get that and then I'm going to, it's going to be amazing and then it's going to lead to this, it's going to lead to that and, uh, you know, and um, oh, wouldn't it be great if this happened and I can move to this country and I could do that and I get really carried away, like, you know, and I kind of plan five years into the future uh, based on this, like, job that's worth, like, 200 quid, you know, to me, but it's going to change my life, I think. Yeah. And that is really, like, I have to really reel it in always. I have to stop myself and reel it in. And also, you know, just imagining, you know, I imagine the worst quite often. I, but I also imagine the best, you know, so best and worst in both situations. So, you know, when you don't get a job, for example, then you constantly think, you know, why don't they get it? It's because they hate me. Oh, I was wearing a really awful dress last time I saw them. I must think I got really bad fashion sense and therefore I couldn't design the building, <laughs> you know, like, or whatever, you know. So you, uh, I get a bit like carried away. And I think, yeah, so I really think it's double edged sword. And I think that's, 
the same as you said it makes you worry a lot about things being yeah. being having a good imagination makes you worry about things i think yeah. so um yeah but then it also as it has many i think the in my respect the the thing you gain from it is better than the stuff you don't so yeah otherwise i wouldn't do what i did otherwise exactly. i'd go and get a job i'd be gone if if if, if, I, if it was three quarters the, the bad side of it i'd be out of there because it's no so i think it. i think i always you know that's what i think my imagination always pulls me through like um you know i always kind of just go you know what though like i'll suddenly have a moment of like complete like i'll design something and I, like my happy place is sat with my sketchbook designing something my favourite thing to do is when I'm just starting a project and I start to research something. Mm. Uh, I love it when you're researching and then you find a little bit of information you're like, no one else knows this. Yeah. Which is kind of what I was like with the Easter rabbits. Like, um, you know, you find that nook of information you know, and then you go, no one else knows this. And I always check, so I always text my sister and I always go, do you know this? And she goes, no. And I'm like, oh. I text my sister, so I've got two sisters and a brother. I text them all separately and I'm like, did you know this? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> three people in the world didn't know it therefore it's good enough for me <laughs> that can be my project or whatever um so they must they must think i'm so weird like the things i just text them like <laughs> did you know this no I don't even ask anybody they're not like why they're just like i would i sent them this picture of this like thing i designed that had like a fish on it <laughs> a loaf of bread um it was really bizarre it was like this thing i designed a bench of design with random stuff in it and like no one said what is that they just said just responded to my question, which was, does this look like a loaf of bread? Does this look like a fish? <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> Let's carry on with your day. Like, completely, completely normal. That's but, wonderful. Um, yeah, I think, but I think we're all quite weird enough. I mean, so my sister paints, has a, my sister sort of paints really weird pictures, so I think we're all quite used to just getting random things pop up on our WhatsApp. Yeah. Like, I have to kind of, like, fill my WhatsApp, because things that pop up, like, you know, when you're in meetings and stuff, I'm just like Mine's, from yeah, my family. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, right, I can't have that popping up. Mine's Yeah, in all forms of social media, we've got some kind of weird thread or stuff yeah, yeah. with a mum friend or whatever it is. I have to be careful. My my sisters have got a group called Extra Trash, which is a celebrity bad things that celebrities are doing, like pictures of like you know like so and so has had five kids or whatever. So uh, that's always the one to filter. And uh, the other day, something popped up of like a celebrity in a bikini. Uh, when I was, what was I doing? I was talking to someone. I told, I was trying to get a business contact, and I was like, "Oh, put your um, put your number in my phone." And then this like <laughs> picture of like Lauren Goodyear or someone like popped up in a bikini. You <laughs> know, I was like, "Yeah." Anyway, so <laughs> it's just like, oh. um, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You when you said about alleyways there and monsters, you made me think. I love horror films and people. And I, I can't I, watch them. I can't watch any horror films. Well, this is it. The like, Laura, my wife, is is that exactly that? She's terrified of them. Can't go near them. Even a trailer starts to come on, and she's like panicking, trying to run out of the room. But I get freaked out by them, but I, I kind of love it. And it's again, that's a weird part of that imagination thing. And this is one where she, we're living in London, the top floor flat. She came back, and the door was ajar. All lights out. She's, oh, no. she's kind of going. What you, like, hello, coming in, like, <laughs> breaking it. And I've got this Japanese horror on, and I've opened the windows, left the curtains open, and opened the door slightly, <laughs> just to heighten my own, my own fear in this. Why would you film. do that? Do you tell me? That's that weird thing again about that. That's the, so the, bizarre. <laughs> I can't watch horror movies at all, but weirdly, I love a good murder before bed. <laughs> I can't sleep without That's a murder a before bed. <laughs> I do, like... Sometimes I'm really like I'm like really awake and I think you know what I'll just watch a murder and then I'll sleep well. Someone's dead. I'll sleep, I'll sleep well. 
So, you know, like from a big like CSI, like oh, anything like that, you know. This is a recent thing. I've it's addictive. True like, crime. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't watched true crime yet. Podcasts all the time in the studio now. It always. <laughs> but like... literally anything with a murder in it, and I'm just like, I love it. And but I think that's really strange. I'm like, why? So we can't go outside. So even my parents' house, when I used to go down downstairs for a cup of water, I would like keep my back to the wall, like, <laughs> like creeping down. So I can't even do that. But then I love to watch someone get murdered before bed. <laughs> like, what is that about? But again, I think that's a creative brain, isn't it? Like, nothing really has yeah. to make sense. It's just... Yeah, it's just what's interesting. It is what it is, you know, so... <laughs> so tell us about your current practice, the lot about Playground. Uh, so, Playground... Shall I give you the tagline? Playground is a... <laughs> uh, I couldn't even remember it when I was doing that talk the other day. I can't remember it now. That's not helpful. <laughs> uh, basically, we create memorable, like, playful... That's the one I couldn't remember. I thought, <laughs> memorable. I was like, how are they? Okay, so basically, yeah, um, so architecture, interiors, product design, um, kind of everything out, everything really, uh, a bit of everything. Um, I am essentially the jack of all trades. Um, but the thread going through it is it's playful, that's the main thing, and engaging, which is not in the kind of, you know, branding, I suppose it needs to be engaging, but just more in the interactive in some kind of way. Um, and then memorable, and the memorable, but I suppose, comes from my childhood. There's various things that I remember, like in my childhood, and they definitely kind of added to my imagination. So I suppose that's what I want to do. So playful, engaging in memorable spaces and places, which is anything from a building, an interior, to a, a piece of um, you know public art, to a mural, um, to even like a community workshop or something. Um, I think yeah, it's it's a, it's quite. Everyone keeps on saying to me, you know, you need to cut it down, but I think I'm actually the opposite. I think I constantly keep on finding things that I want to design mm. and want to get involved with. And, um, yeah, so I mean, like, when the next thing at the moment is trying to get more into, like, furniture and things, and I said I'm developing some products and stuff. So, um, but yeah, essentially Playground is anything that has a kind of playful thread going through it. Um, and, yeah, I think actually having it open is quite good because I've had people approach me about projects which I would never would have thought of doing. Mm. Um like one of the latest things I did was wrap someone's whole house in green paper, which was quite bizarre. Um, that wasn't on my kind of list of to-do lists, like, you know, things to do. I have quite an extensive list of things that I want to achieve in my life, I suppose, that comes from the imagination, um, which is normally things. Um, and that's, I suppose, part of the playground thing. I want to kind of design my own furniture. I want to um, design my own house. I want to... There's lots of different things on that. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I suppose the playground is a, it also essentially came from the fact as well of wanting to play with everyone, hence the playground um, aspect. Um, I am well aware that I don't have the knowledge for everything. I, I can't, you know, and I accept that. But I also, doesn't stop me wanting to design my own furniture or mm. design, you know, design a piece of public art or something. So the playground aspect, I suppose, comes with wanting to work with lots of different people. So wanting to work with different makers, um, you know, ceramicists or... Um, textile makers and I think that again maybe comes from my childhood um my mum having you know I suppose finger in every pie as I suppose mm. very well. so um yes yeah, so the playground aspect is yeah wanting to kind of get involved and work with lots of different people um in making anything really as long as it's got to a playful nature and within that um, again there's the social aspect I suppose of um just for the better good you know to I suppose it doesn't have to be you know social social but you know, there's certain, I suppose, certain things I wouldn't take on if no. I didn't feel that they fitted, um, that they didn't benefit people in making them happy, I suppose. And that's really cheesy. But, um, 
I suppose that's where it's come from, like stuff that actually makes people. Because I was trying to say this to my dad last night, I was like, what, you know, what is it? And he said, he said, by sounds that everything you like is stuff that makes other people happy. And I was like, actually, that's quite true. And that is that is essentially what it is. I wanna, I wanna, I want. So I have a couple of memories from my childhood that are my main memories. You know, so you have like a couple of memories, and you're like, why do I remember that? And that's essentially what I want my work to be to someone else. Like for someone to say, do you remember that day when we went to um, went to town into Manchester mm. and there was that amazing sculpture? Do you remember? And you got your picture taken next to it, and then the kid goes, "Yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, I really like that. That made me really like I don't know elephants because it was an elephant sculpture." And then you know, or that's what I want someone to think of. Or or do you remember that day? You know, so my my memories are the, the key ones that stick out for me are a chateau we visited in France, which was called Chateau de Enigmas a giant maze and a giant chessboard that you could like run around in mm. and that to me was like the best thing ever and that now is exactly what I want to do you know that's if someone said to me design a giant chessboard I'd be like absolutely you know design a giant maze absolutely yeah. you know my other ones I suppose were those play days you used to have when you were a kid remember where you had like a big field oh yeah and everyone used to get on their bikes and oh, you get your face painted Oh. Jimba, Jimba, you get you get your face painted. You go on your bike. Uh, I can't remember what they were called. And there was always like Postman Pat dressed up. They used to had these big fields, yeah. And then they had these like I don't know what they were called. And then the trampoline, the bouncy castle, and stuff. But yeah, so like that's what I essentially want my work yeah. to be. I want it to be those memorable moments, um, you know, that stick out for people. I think that's a really beautiful ethos because they are special those memories. And, yeah, and, and and they play a huge role in in. The adult that you become, I, I believe. Yeah. I look back now, and there are so many seemingly trivial things that are memories from being a kid. Yeah. When you join the dots, and when you actually look back and, and and don't discard them as just childhood throwaway yeah. things, they're really really important to the person that you become. I yeah. think. And when you when you stray too far away from what made you happy, then I think um, I don't think it's a good thing to do. No, I think I think the other thing I also like is in as a, with the social thing in my work. I like people to learn stuff from my work, so don't want just to be there. So I think that's the other thing that everything that I do with Playground, it always has something, like a unique something about the place. So everything I do has a really strong sense of place. So um, if someone said to me, you've got a design, like even like a rug for someone's house or something, um, I wouldn't just go, oh, okay, I kind of like triangles right now. I'll put triangles mm. on it. It would be like, I would like research the history of the house, you know, what period is it from? I'd find out about the people, you know, yeah. and it would be really, really strong. I know everyone does like that. That's the creative process, you know, essentially. But... I try and really, really push that. I try and not produce work just for the sake of it. So um, wh- whatever it is, I like someone to learn something from it and go, oh my God, I didn't realise that here 110 years ago there was a battle or, oh, I didn't realise. So like one of the things that I just did something for the, with the fish and the things I was talking about was something for Cheapside, you know, which used to be London's biggest market. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that until I did loads of re- research into it and history into it. Um, and that's the thing, like, most people that walk through Cheapside now wouldn't know that. So it's like, it's like picking out those little bits of information, you know, and making someone stop just for a moment and go, wow, I didn't know that about this place. So with all the stuff I do, it's, it's that. So it's kind of making someone smile, making someone stop go, wow, I didn't realise that, and actually, like, smile and engage with it, you know, kind of thing, and even want to jump on it or play with it in some way, or, Mm. you know, um, that interactive element. So, again, it's pretty broad, um, but um, I also don't think it's that broad, in that sense. I don't think it is. I think you've got this beautiful car there that's really, that's really... um word relatable I, I certainly get that immediately as, as an ethos and, and therefore straight away it eliminates 
the danger of being a jack of all trades or being too varied because yeah. if that's at the core of everything then it doesn't matter how varied the, yeah. the, the manifest is yeah know? I've like refused some work in the past you know and I, I, my business only started a year ago but I have refused some stuff and after I refuse it I think should I but then I think my gut told me to refuse it and I think that's the bottom line like yeah. you know and, and part you know people said to me you should take anything right now because I didn't want to leave but that's the kind of I, I, I don't know that's the part of me that's the social aspect I'm like you bet it didn't fit with like mm. it wasn't the kind of person I, I want a relationship with or whatever and, and that stands you really well in the long run that, that. yeah like I hope it does because obviously you know when you're sat eating soup every night which I haven't got to yet thank god but it might happen this summer um, <laughs> but if it, you know if it happens you know it makes you wonder if you should be turning down stuff you know which is quite scary but um I think actually something else, well, I think people in the creative industry get what my business is, but I think people outside of it quite often don't. And that, like, I find that not frustrating, but, like, maybe I think I still haven't quite mastered how to sell myself. I don't, I'll hold my hands up for that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, and that's still something I'm finding very hard. Um, but, I mean, one year, your early days. Yeah, right? I'm like, I'm not a year yet, so I'm like, what, 11 months in. My mum's making me a crazy celebration cake. <laughs> Watch this face, mum's handiwork. It's going to be it's rainbow It's an achievement colours. though, you know, yeah, any, yeah. any milestone is an achievement you should be proud of in, in this industry because it's tough. And it, when, it, when it comes from you, which it quite clearly does, yeah. I, mean, I don't know you well, I've only met you a couple of times, but yeah. even just now hearing this conversation and seeing the passion in which you're talking about, not just the memories, but your work, it's clear to me that, that, there's a, that there's a very tangible thread that runs throughout your work and I think yeah. people can spend their whole lives and never find that, never find that connection between what's in there yeah, I've always I've always had that very I think quite strongly. And I think something else that also I was saying to my dad is that my dad said that one thing that we do in our family, my friend asked, is we do stuff like well. We won't ever hand in something half yeah. you know, half done. And I think that and and if you get to that stage you have to put passion in it. If like, you know, if you're gonna like as I have a memory of like, you know, my mum <laughs> on a Saturday, like when so my mum stays up to like four or five in the morning mm. doing these projects, you know, for free. And then complains about it, and I'm like, <laughs> but she, but really, what she's doing when she's complaining is she's wanting us to go. But well done, you know yeah. what I mean. But that's the same as me. I do exactly the same. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'll put every hour in. You know, the smallest project, I'll put every single because I want to put my heart into it, my soul yeah. into it, um, and that is because I think I connect with it. You know. But. So I liked, I liked the essence of your talk in that you went around the, around the houses would that be fair you you did a lot of you did a lot of yeah. exploring before you eventually came back to architecture yeah definitely i think i think that comes from as i said i always knew as a child that i wanted to think like very early on i said i was quite weird i was like i knew i was like the only 14 year old that knew what i wanted to do <laughs> and i said i had this like list of inventions and stuff that i kept in my jewelry box which was essentially and i still actually i've, I've got two things i had this list of inventions which i really want to find I really want to find that list because there might be, you know, it might be a million dollar idea. <laughs> I remember it was all dumb things like, I used to be like, I'd be like in the kitchen. I, normally it was when my mum was cooking and I'd see her struggle with something. I'd think, I could invent something to solve that problem. <laughs> um, and so I'd go upstairs, sketch a little thing, add it to my list. But I also had quite a strong bucket list of things as well. Mm. Um, I actually found my bucket list when I was clearing out, which is hilarious. You know what the funny thing is? And you said this about me knowing quite early on, you know, like, finding quite early on, like, you know, what I want to do. My bucket list, okay, get this, okay, so I wrote a bucket list when I moved to Manchester, yeah? It's exactly the same as the one I wrote when I was 16. Wow. Word for word. <laughs> like, literally, you couldn't, you couldn't, there was nothing different on it. Yeah. So down to this, and, and 
I was actually going to put my bucket list up as part of the talk because it's quite funny. Some things are obviously really dumb. Some things are great, you know. Like, you know, there's everything from on that bucket list of one of the things I really want to do is buy a chalet in France mm. and convert it into like a fun house um, and then rent it out to like crazy snowboarders. I'll probably trash it, but you know. Um, but that's one thing I want to do. So that was always on the list. Um, there's loads of things on it. Um, design my own snowboard range, yeah. um, which is, you know, that was always on my bucket list. So if anyone wants snowboard design or designs on, um, plug. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, what else? There's, uh, I really wanted to study fashion at one point. Yeah. Uh, I still really want to study furniture making in Sweden, specifically in Sweden, don't know why, just want to, I want to move to Amsterdam. Um, <laughs> uh, on my list was marry someone foreign. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? That was quite specific. <laughs> I think, I think I felt that I'd be like cultured if I married someone foreign. Fantastic. I don't know. But um, I can't remember what the original question was. You asked about. Uh, you said I went around the houses. Right, back to the question. <laughs> yeah, I ring about marrying someone foreign. Um, went around the house. Uh, yeah, I did, basically. So I, just, I knew quite early on, and I had a specific list of things that I wanted to do in that. And actually, on that list, even as a 16 year old, was build my own house. So maybe that led a bit to it. I always wanted to build my own house, um, whether whatever path I took. Um, and. Um, yeah, as I, I, I originally wanted to do product design, but I think my problem with product design, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't do it in most respects, was the human aspect again. I remember saying, I really like product design, but I don't like, A, the fact that we throw things away, so it's built in obsolescence, which really doesn't sit well with me, and it still doesn't. Like, I'm recycling obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I'm like, can you finish with that? I'll wash, <laughs> I'll wash it out. Um, like, literally, because I just think, like, in a cheesy way, there's limited amount of resources and stuff. And I also just yeah. think, don't be ignorant. Like, come on. It should, should be common sense. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, don't be ignorant. Like, why would you throw something in the bin when the other bin is there that's going to get recycled? Like, it just annoys me. Yeah. So um, I get quite angry about recycling. But that comes from my dad as well. Mm, we have like six recycling bins at home. Anyway, enough recycling. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I knew quite early on, yeah, that I wanted to do something design. But product design really upset me, this built in obsolescence. And also, I just thought, why are you going to redesign the kettle, you know, over and over again? When it's, you know, if it's not broke, you know, don't fix it kind of thing. So I think that always didn't that well. I mean, actually, now I think back to it, architecture is probably the best option. Because if I had this humane thread, you know, architecture is probably a good shout. Um, mm. But I really didn't, if I'm honest, I really didn't, wasn't, didn't, not I didn't want to study it. But I wasn't, it didn't straight away go as like the one I wanted to study. I it's, just, well, it's not, present, it's not presented as something that's creatively exciting at least it never came across like that to me you always just think of of buildings and blueprints but I mean meeting people like yourself it's clearly not that but I guess there are but but it is like that's the thing like there's really two different sides even three four five six different sides I think people don't get that about architecture and I think that's the thing with an architect you can be any type of architect so if I wanted now I could go and work for a corporate architect and do skyscrapers all day long if I wanted which is a completely different a completely different job to what I do right now mm-hmm. I could also do what I do now I could also go and go to Uganda and build um, help local people build buildings you know um, so I really think like you know when I like about you know with other maybe creative businesses you can, not you can pigeonhole people, but you can kind of look at someone and go, they've got good trainers, they must be a graphic designer, mm. kind of thing. Like, with architecture, like, I don't think it's really like that, in many respects. Like, architects can come in many different forms, mm-hmm. and I think that comes from architecture being such a varied subject. Like, in architecture, which most people don't realise, you know, you study, like, you study history, you study psychology, um, you study, you know, mass structural engineering, um, you study um, like 
you know, aspects, I suppose, of philosophy in many respects. Um, you know, um, you, you study, um, you know, artistic pursuits, like how to draw stuff, how to represent stuff, graphic design, exhibition design. <clears throat> so many different things. Like, I actually did an exhibition recently that explored all the different things you do. And I think because of that, you can come out a completely different person. Just what's, one person studies architecture and one person studies architecture, like, completely different. So I think... Um, yeah, it's it's really really varied, like really really varied. Mm. Um, so I think I went into it. I one of the reasons I think I did architecture was this, as I said, this practical mind I had on me, but also an artistic mind. And so I think my dad has said kind of encouraged me to go that route because I think he saw that what I didn't see that there was a practical, you know, because mm. I was very academic, you know, I was like a kind of you know straight A student for much of my life, you know, before the teenage kind of thing. But um, yeah, so. I think that's when my dad's made that connection I think for me but it took me a very long time to get in it myself like and then as I said then even when I was in it I rejected it lots of times when I did it yeah. and um and I, I it always it still now seems a bit of a burden like that I'm an architect which is weird burdens a weird word but I feel a social pressure in many respects I feel like I should be building buildings all the time mm-hmm. when actually architects a lot of architects don't ever build a building in their whole life you know they do you know consultancy or public realm design or whatever so I still do feel it as a bit of a a burden which is quite weird isn't it mm. yeah like when people ask me what I'm up to I'm always like I need to have a building in there at least <laughs> just one just one building because otherwise I'm not an architect you know yeah. I still do feel that I feel still feel I think as everyone was created the imposter syndrome yeah I also feel a bit like why has someone given me this responsibility mm. because um, so when you become an architect, there's a massive like code that you have to abide by, and you have to like make sure you tell the truth and all this stuff. And I and I, I don't know if they have that in other professions, but I think you basically have to sign it. And if you don't, if you don't, if you let's say you lied about something, say so you said, you know, uh, whatever it was, you lied about something, you can get struck off the register for that. Wow. Okay. So, so like disbarred for lawyers, kind of. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So so it's exactly the same thing, and and it does happen to people. You see it happen. So. Wow. No. That's, I suppose, this this burden that I carry a little bit, that whatever I do, it can be fun and be playful, but if it's architecture-related, it you know, I need to, you know, make sure it's not fit for purpose, but, like, really, I don't know, that I'm very truthful about the process I go through yeah. to get to it. Like, quite often I'll have meetings with people and they'll say, oh, my God, you've literally, thank you for being so honest. And I go, well, I have to be. Yeah. You know, like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to come and tell you that your building is going to take this long to put up. That's good to know there's that kind of integrity. Kind of yeah, because, yeah, because yeah, if, if I said it's going to take six months, you know, it takes ten months and then, you know, and it goes 40 grand over budget, you know. And I think that's a difference as well, maybe. Again, I don't know how much other people earn on jobs, but architecture contracts, you know, the 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 lowest contract architecture wise I'm working right now is a hundred k. You know that's a lot of money for someone to like spend. So um, again, I, you know I don't know how much other people earn, but like in other industries, but that's to me, me personally, that seems like a lot of money to spend on something. So I have to be quite careful with how people spend that. So of course, yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so also, there's that classic thing in terms of going away from it and coming back, even. You probably love it all along, but it's that love-hate relationship with something you're passionate about. I find yeah. it for myself. It's why I have this podcast, why I have a book. It's like I always have to go moonlight because 
that's just a part of my character. Um, it sounds like we have that in common almost, where we're just interested in so many things. Yeah, that it's I impossible am, to am, just yeah. go, that's me for the next 40 years. No, that no. can never happen. But what I find as time goes on is that that's no bad thing. I used to get beat myself up and feel guilty because, oh God, you're an illustrator. Why are you off trying to interview people? I like, honestly, doing I beat myself campaign. all the time. But it all yeah. informs the, the core thing. And I always come back to and love illustration even more. But it's just mm. informed by all these other things now. Suddenly I know I can work with 3D printers and graphic designers and builders. And that's exciting because suddenly it's, it becomes a varied thing. Much do you not, like do you not feel like a bit of a cheat though like when you're doing it? Like, like I feel like if I'm, let's say, like I'm doing furniture or something, um, do you not feel like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this because oh, yeah. someone, someone's going to find out oh, that yeah. I you know, technically haven't studied furniture design? Yeah. Like I was listening to, um, was it Mark from Superfried, yeah. what he did? And he was saying the same thing, you know, like because he didn't study graphic design. Of course. You know, and I think a lot of I think a lot of people feel like sometimes they can't go outside their profession, and that and, and that is actually something that I'm I suppose also trying to promote a little bit, like yeah. that you don't have to be in your profession and just be your profession, that you can dabble in other things. But you know, the fear is real when you're doing that. The yeah. fear is real. Like you know, someone approached me about a graphic design job the other day. And the first thing I said to my mate, I said, why are they approaching me? You know, like, and yeah. I just thought, you know, but then I thought, but you can do it, so why would you not do it? Mm-hmm. And I freaked out, and then I was a bit like, eh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, but... It's just healthy to know where your, where your cut-off is and when you need to work with a specialist in that field. I think, I think right now, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more careful, like, I think until maybe I'll be working more with people until, you know, I've built up that confidence, you know, I might accept those kind of jobs slightly later on but um, you know I said yes to that job you know and I'm yeah. busy trying to do it now which is quite have, you got any, have you got any <laughs> instances where you kind of where you overreached in terms of well anything I mean I've done it myself I've yeah, yeah, definitely. Killer, killer stories of, of when it just all kind of you know shouldn't have been doing that ever but you had to learn that too I think I think well I think that is pretty much my whole career um, <laughs> so um, I used to work for a couple of practices where um, where we would design everything and then we'd install it and project manage it. And um, and that's pretty much actually every single project I worked on. And that's great, so I have project management skills, I have, you know, I can basically be a handyman, you know, give me a drill, I can put a picture, give me a drill, I can hang a toilet roll holder, you know, etc. <laughs> great, but um, also when you're doing it, you think, why am I doing this? Like, you know, why am <laughs> yeah. I hanging 50 toilet roll holders? Like, <laughs> why is this happening? Yeah. Um, and I had, you know, I had a job for a bit where, yeah, just furniture, like installing furniture. I was unboxing, like, Nespresso machines. Oh, my God. If you ever need an espresso machine, put together. <laughs> I am put together. How many was it? 230. Wow. I could be employed by Nespresso to, like, demonstrate <laughs> how, like, they should video me how quickly you can put it together. But, do you know, I mean, things like that, you think, you know, but... I also really enjoy mundane jobs, like yeah. not mundane, but like I really enjoy simple jobs. Like I really enjoy, like my sister the other day was launching a magazine and she was like, you might have to come up and help me put them in bags. And I was like, yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. love a day of putting magazines. Mm-hmm. Like, but where that comes from, I think from working for my dad as a kid, doing mail shops and stuff. Yeah, and like, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. that. And I think my thing is that I like to have every day different. And if that means one day I'm stuffing leaflets into bags and getting paid, not much for it, but, you know, I'm getting paid for it, yeah. great. And if the next day I'm designing something bespoke, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And the next day I'm teaching, you know, great. And I think it doesn't really matter, like, that one day I'm getting paid a lot of money and one day I'm not getting paid much or whatever. I think it's just that variety. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely need constant variety. And I think I learned, that's why I started my own practice, because I couldn't 
Gil was sitting in the same desk working on the same project mm-hmm. that to me was done. You know? Well, no, no matter how good the money, if you go against what's, what you need to do as, a, as an individual, as a personality, it just jars and you're, you're inevitably mm. going to be operating at a small percentage of your potential happiness, all the things that make for great creativity. Yeah, when I used to work at the practice, I used to go home and then design stuff. I had so much energy to design stuff, you know, in the evening because yeah. I was just doing the same thing every day and I, and I was doing it, you know, not the same thing every day, that's a bit harsh, but I was, um, I was working on pretty much the same project for maybe three months in yeah. a row. And that's, you know, that's great, but when it got to the, it was really enjoyable, you know, at the start, when it got to the tweaking, the client wants that door moved that way, you know, how yeah. much, and, um, that that you know pink paint is slightly too pink can you you know redo the whole sheet changing that pink color to another one you know you just think "Eh." like you know that's that's when it starts and every creative has that like every creative has that thing where you've designed something and the client has to give you feedback and it's part of the process and it's something you have to accept but when in architecture what you've got to think is okay and i was thinking about this on the way here like an architecture project might not happen for three years and again Again, other creators have put exactly the same thing. You know, I just don't know their industry maybe as well. But, like, when you design a building, you know, even the smallest building will take a year. So if, you know, whatever you do, it's a year project. So some of the stuff I designed at previous practices has still not been built yet, you know, and I've been out of practice now for a year. And it's still not due to be built yet for another year. And so the best part as a creative is, you know, is finishing that piece of work and going, ah, it's in my hand, or yeah. seeing people's reaction to it, or putting it out on social media, and people, you know, going, that's amazing, and just sharing that with someone else, and then, exactly as I said, like, getting that reaction of making someone happy, and seeing someone go, that's amazing, you know, and it's not even about them complimenting you, it's just about them watching their face as they kind of see it, and go, that's amazing, you know, whatever, um, and getting excited by something, um, and I think with architecture, because it's such a long process, that only happens a couple of times in your lifetime, really. Like, yeah. you know, so, and that's, you know, I think that's, it means that it's a lot shorter process. And I think that is something that I couldn't deal with being in practice. And that's why I work on lots of different things because mm. I want, I want the big projects, but I also want the, um, I want that kind of making people happy faster, I suppose, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't want to have to wait three years between every time I release something. You know, and that's, you know, and that's, it makes it hard for me as well, you know, when I'm putting stuff out to the world, people are like, you know what you've been up to now? And I'm like, I can't show any of it because it's not going to happen yeah. for so long. You need that immediacy. You know, and it's, it's not even a grat- instant gratification thing because I think we do live in a universe now kind of instant gratification. It's more that I feel like, you know, I've, you know, like I feel like I've achieved something for that year, and it's kind of banked yeah. as a project, you know, kind of yeah. thing as well. So I don't, you know, I find it hard when I'm not banking something, you know, every God, six yeah, months. I get that way if it's not, you know, if six weeks I don't have a new project that's come to fruition. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you see other people, you know, with much shorter contracts, you know, um, putting stuff out, you know, um, and you know, it it can be frustrating. I think, like, um, you know, as uh, yeah, it, it definitely can be frustrating when you're seeing other people putting out stuff, you know, new stuff every yeah, week. Of course, God, yeah. So, so it's, let's talk about some of your projects. Is that there's some there's some fascinating to me. The, the Lego school. What was what was going on? So there? that was so yeah. So I suppose um, the oh, what's the word I should say? So I did that while working at a practice. That wasn't my project, but that was something I did while working at a practice called What Architecture. So um, they're like a London-based practice. So. That was my first architecture, like proper architecture job, um, and 
it was, I think it was, it came at the right time because it was a time when I was really disheartened by architecture and I really didn't want to be an architect and my parents were like, you know, we've just paid for this architecture education. You are going to get an architect's job. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I left architect school for two to hating architecture, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I also felt like a bit of an outcast because the type of architecture I liked was really crazy. So um, I'd read a lot about, um, at university, like, loads of stuff about, like, people like Archigram, Cedric Price, you know, and I got really inspired by them, and Dutch architects, you know, and interior designers like Droog and Marcel Wonders and people like that. And I got really interested in that, and I, and I felt like I had this... Um, this perception of architecture that no one else in the whole world shared mm. and that really upset me that you know no one else wanted to do playful stuff and so I got this job um, essentially I saw an advert it said we're looking for builders and I was at a point where I thought you know I don't want to do architecture I want to do something else so then I thought you know maybe I could be a builder because I like making things and I said I'd had that you know, work with my dad making things in the garden and stuff so I took that and um, I literally sat in the snow like in thick snow in ski gear taking Lego bricks, tiny Lego bricks, and building a school out of Lego. And that, <laughs> I literally had, like, tiny, like, not even, like, oh, we'll make big ones for you so that it's quicker. Like, real Lego bricks. So building this Lego school to this design that had been um, designed by local children so that each created a character. And we were building that into the outside of the wall. Wow. So we did that for maybe three months over, um, over Christmas. And as I was doing it, I met, like, another girl. She was really nice. Um... And basically, we then ended up managing the site. So they realised that, you know, that we had our head screwed on. And they said, well, you know, you start managing the site. You start making sure everyone else is building correctly. You know, oh, actually, there's delivery. Can you do the delivery? Can you... Um, you know, and actually, suddenly, we became real kind of architects on site. Mm. We were managing this build. You know, just we weren't checking the details. But we were managing everyone on site, you know, and stuff. But um, And then after that, they offered me a job in the office. But... Um, there was only one job going, and the guy I met, I really liked, so we decided to split the job and take half and half. Because we, we'd already, you know, we just like, you know what, you're a sound person, and I mm. wouldn't want you not to have it. So we both agreed. We both took half a job, and we both went, went and worked in the office. And it was, it was one of the best times, you know. I had crazy office. We had an in-house DJ <laughs> that used to mix Brilliant. songs, um, used to mix songs and put out mixes on the internet. Um, we had a beer fridge that we could help ourselves to, which we never did. But... Um, you know, table, football table, giant graphics on the wall. And it was just... And, and the guy that led it had a very good response to everything being playful. That was his underlying thing, that everything was playful. And that really set me up, you know. And he also gave me so much responsibility. He was like, right, I want you to manage this playground project. So I did three playgrounds that I helped design and manage and install. So that was a really good experience. Which is a crazy nursery school with, like, slides. The only way you could get in was to climb upside the building. The only way you could get out was slide. And that actually got built. Wow. Um, so that's a place called Thornhill School, I think it's in London. Um, and did loads of stuff. Um, just loads of crazy proposals for a mosque uh, that we did. Uh, a uh, light-up installation in town. A proposal for a water fountain. We did loads of different stuff. And, um, and yeah, it just really taught me that actually... I think that scale thing, it taught me that you could, as an architect, you could build a building, you could also design a water fountain. Yeah. Um, and you could also design a pond. So I did another one that was like a giant pond that um, I then, that had already been designed, so I managed that. You know, I managed a site and I was a part one, you know. So in, you have part one, part two, part three in architecture. Okay. So part one is when you finish your BA, part two is when you finish your postgraduate, mm. and part three is when you're um, you're working towards being a qualified architect. Okay. Um, but yeah, so as a part one, I started managing this site. And I... And, I think I really got off on the kind of, you know, responsibility 
and look, I'm quite bossy, so you know that was quite you know good for me. But that I think that job stopped me, uh, made me go. You know what? It can be fun. It can be playful, and yeah. um, I can work on all these different scales. And you can also have fun in the office. And I think that then completely changed my perception of architecture. And then then I started finding all these other people I loved as architects. Um, mm. You know, uh, and then I discovered like Fat and Charles Charles Holland, who's a member of Fat. He's also designed some stuff in Manchester, the crazy houses, the hearts, and that on the balcony down in like Ancos. And then, then again, it just again I just kept on evolving, kept on finding more people that mm. kind of were in my tribe that didn't think too seriously about architecture. And then I felt comfortable. Before that, at university, I felt very uncomfortable. I felt like I was the only one that mm. wanted to put hearts and bows in every building. You know, and. I did that when I postgraduate. I put hearts and bows on my building, essentially, yeah. um, and got away with it. So <laughs> why not? But um, but yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I definitely. I said my university was an interesting, I suppose, uh, yeah. time. Well, it's good because that's. I mean, that, that surely that always comes down to well, you yearning to find your place within that within that you know yeah. that field and and. The, Gathering confidence that it can be, can be that, can be playful, and can do something beyond just buildings and, and like you say, ever ongoing projects. Yeah, I mean, know? I'm still discovering people now, like um, as well. I think that's the thing. Like sometimes I still get that moment of, you know, am I the only person wanting this? And like I went to Milan last year, and um, not the furniture show, but just went to Milan randomly. It was like Fashion Week, and I saw like Gigi Hadid, and I was like, hello. Uh, but anyway, um, but. Yeah, even when I was there, I discovered loads of designers. So I'm like obsessed, with, like obsessed with like Sletti, like the Italian brands, and like you know, obviously all the Memphis movement and stuff, and all that kind of thing. And is it, I'm really bad at pronouncing people's names, but is it Rosanna, Rosanna, Rosanna Orlandi? Um, randomly went to her studio, and she was there, wow. and I kind of freaked out. Like, I had a proper like sit down, had to ring my sister and be like, I'm in the studio, and she's here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like and. When I was there, I discovered so many people. Like again, like I'd never been that clued up on again. My pronunciation is about like Ettore Sotas, which is one of the Memphis guys. I didn't know that about him. There was an exhibition there about him. I'm still discovering all these people, and I'm like, wow, that you know, I'm not alone in this. Constantly, mm. like, um, I spent a lot of time in Denmark when I was dating a Danish guy, and um, you know, design museum there. And there's a massive, you know, playful design thing. You know, like brands like Hay and. Um, you know Arne Arne Jacobson and people I'm constantly finding new people from history and current day that are doing what I like and that just like fills me with confidence every time I see someone Um, and and yeah I really really like that like I I still do this I discover people along the way so Mm. that's good I love the the, uh, hopscotch the Sutton hopscotch alleyways as well yeah so that was something else I did so um, with again so I've worked for some really cool practices Um, so yeah so that was one with a company called Office S&M, as in, yeah, as in whips and chains. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, that's a really great girl, um, a girl and a guy, um, duo, that um, just yeah, really, really interesting designers. But, um, yeah, so we did a hopscotch for, a giant hopscotch through the alleyways, um, which has been built, actually, um, to, again, it was a, it was a community um, project where, they uh, the local community gave us ideas um, about the history of the area. So again, it's about collecting history. It's not just going, oh, we want to do this. It was talking to local people, um, taking their ideas, and then like essentially, you know, making them in stone on the ground and celebrating, you know, what they found. It, it was a celebration of Sutton. So we got everyone to write love letters essentially to Sutton about what they loved, mm. and then and we took those ideas and then we made like tangram pieces. 
because um, they fit within the subtitles and then got people to try and create those stories in tangram pieces and then those tangram pieces became hopscotches in town but again like really really great practice you know really you know a practice I you know, still talk to those guys you know massively respect their work you know and I, I've worked for those of cool like really cool people like Aberrant Architecture amazing um you know, they were, that was the dream job I said that I lost in my talk, you know, that was the job where I was really like, I've made it, like, I was kind of rubbing my eyes and couldn't imagine I actually got that job, you know, mm. and, you know, the Klasnik Corporation as well, Thomas Klasnik is amazing, like, you know, and I have so much, so much respect for all those people when I do it, and that, they essentially are doing what I want to do, like, they're like my heroes, I think, when you work with people and you think, as you do it, you just think I have so much respect for what you do, mm. um, you know, if I could be anywhere as successful as any one of them, I'd be pretty happy. Um, but yeah, like, and they've done so many good projects and I'm, I feel really lucky, you know, like, yes, my CV, I feel like, I feel again, the imposter thing, my CV has made up a lot of projects from their practices, but I suppose that's the life as a freelance designer, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and you had to be, you had to have something about you to get them, clearly. Yeah, and I think a lot, I think a lot of them though, I, I, you know, I think, you know, it's their project, but I suppose a lot of the time they were getting the work and I was doing a lot of the design, so yeah. I suppose, but I always feel a bit, again, you know, I can't lay claim to having done on them because they're not my project but they are also my projects but the vast majority of projects I'm the most proud of have come through a client to an agency to me yeah but yeah I mean as I said I I feel really lucky to have worked on those projects because every one of them like even the stuff I was doing aberrant like the school you know which won those awards I was saying about um and you know the Swansea um I didn't really mention in my talk but I was Swansea we made like money for Swansea so we designed like currency for Swansea Mm. and stuff all of that you know um obviously now I, I think now I realise this is what I think the reason I'm, I don't like laying claim to having worked it too much is I know much work goes into getting that client. Do you know what I mean? A little bit. Yeah. So um, yeah. I feel a bit like it's their client, and even though I worked on it, you know. Um, yeah. But I still, you know, um, I, I, I feel really grateful to have worked on those, and I feel yeah. really grateful that they let me in and let them involve, let me be involved in that project, and actually saw something in me that they thought I could add something to that project. Yeah. I, I really, you know, I think that's probably the best you know, thanks I could get from it. 100%, yeah. and, you, yeah, you get, and they wouldn't, on, on such beautiful projects, they certainly wouldn't be bringing in any Tom Carrari that isn't worth their salt, you know. Yeah, so, so I think, yeah, ho- hopefully, yeah, they saw, as they saw something in me that they... Well, you've got, like, you've got such a vibrant energy about you, which I imagine is a joy to work with, and I think people look for that. <laughs> people do look for that, it's really important, you know, it's mm. like, if I'm going to collaborate with anyone, nine times out of ten, it's down, it's personality is the, the big factor. Yeah. You know, those things you do, whether it's just for no money or because you want to work with someone, you, you come up with a project amongst yourselves to do around work, or something that's paid, or if I'm going to spend time committing to a job with anyone, they've got to be right, they've got to be on the wavelength, they've got to be yeah. reliable and good at what they do but but most importantly I want to have fun spending time with that person as well so. yeah I think you do spend so much time with someone don't you like you get to the point where you kind of know where they're going to get to the toilet like sometimes like <laughs> yeah it's so true or you're like oh I'm having the same sandwich again today and they're just yeah. like shut up <laughs> oh god but yeah so it, it sounds like you, you're, you're in a place of playground where it's really quite fluid and you, you're wide open to what you know what, yeah what I'm like I'm, de- I'm definitely I think that's one thing my dad said to me when I started the business, he said to me, um, whatever you think, work you think you're going to get, you probably won't get straight away. And he said, but be open to whatever might come your way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good piece of advice because if I hadn't done that, then, you know, as is women reason and this slightly social conscience, but um, I think if I hadn't done that, you know, I would be beating myself up every day. Why? And I, and I do, I massively beat myself up every day. Like, I, 
I still beat myself up about the fact I'm not really working on any interior projects. And one of the reasons I moved to Manchester was to work for an interiors company because I really wanted to get an interiors. Um, you know, and I massively beat myself up, why haven't I got one yet? Why haven't I got one yet? Why is everyone else getting them? Why am I not getting them? Um, but, um, but yeah, like, I think, um, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm open to kind of anything. I think that's the best way to be. And I think that makes it easier for someone to come to me with a design, you know, an idea and us to collaborate on something quite fun. If, I, if I'm not trying to pigeonhole it, um, that's probably a good thing for them as well. Yeah. That they, um, yeah, they come to me with like a brief and I can design anything within that. I've had that a couple of times. People just come to me with a, like, we need something for this. What do you want to do? Yeah. And that's quite good. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely open. I think something that I always respected was, um, and I'm not comparing myself to this person at all, but like in the back in the old, kind of old fashioned, I say like very old fashioned days, you have people like Charles Rennie Macintosh and Gaudi that, they designed the building, but they designed everything in it, and they designed, yeah. you know, and that is so what I would... That's how the Gaudi in Barcelona. I would literally... Like, oh, amazing. Yeah, literally, that's what I aspire to. I aspire to someone saying to me, here's a building, you know, and you have enough knowledge to design the building well, design the furniture, design the brand, design everything down to, you know, the cutlery, you know, if it's a restaurant or every, everything, everything in it. And, like, that, those are the kind of people that I just look at with complete awe, and I suppose that's what... I would inspire, you know, I aspire playground to be at one stage that, yeah. you know, that I get given whole buildings and they just like what I do enough and they trust me enough to just say, run with it and whatever mm. you come up with. But, you know, that would be the dream for Absolutely. probably everyone, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, yeah, but also you know, what you said early on about that ethos of playground and what it is and, and being playful, by sticking to that and building everything around it and, and having the balls to say no to certain things, which is really powerful and mm. something that I'm learning now as I progress into like the second decade of doing this. It really is powerful, and I've not regretted saying no to anything yet because something's yeah. always emerged that's that's a better fit. Having had the courage to, to knock that to it's one so side, hard, isn't it? It's, it never gets any easier, and I always feel guilty and, and feel like I'm, I'm letting someone down, even though really we shouldn't because we're always going to have to do that. But it's interesting that you said that because, in terms of names, I spent the first I don't know how long X amount of time in my career going after a client, like a dream client or a, a dream mm. project and job, whereas. The big shift in the last few years, I actually got my dream client, which is WWE, the wrestling set design stuff. I'm a big oh, yeah, wrestling I can fan. see it all over your walls. Yeah, I'm a massive <laughs> wrestling geek. And I used to love wrestling as a kid. Did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who was the guy? Uh, the Hulk. Hulk uh, Hogan. Uh, not the Hulk. Hulk Hogan. And um, what was it? The Shadow or something he was called. Like, there was loads of... There was a, what's the guy that wore like the cape? There what? was like... Oh, I can't remember what it was called. Shango. Ultimate, uh, uh, Undertaker. Yeah, the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a huge mural, like as the highest wall that my mum did on my bedroom wall. Then. So talking of that, but also <laughs> talking of gladiators, my dad had Jet was like someone at work knew Jet, and my brother had his wall assigned Jet picture. Brilliant. So yeah, I was really into gladiators, and was it was it Saturday Saturday evening? It used to be gladiators. Yeah, Saturday tea time. Yeah. It's kind of not that long ago. That was gladiators, but also when was it was Sunday that WWE was on. It varied over the years, but it did used to be on Sundays when I was younger, yeah. Yeah, I used to I used, I used to love watching that. Yeah. It's kind of weird because it goes against everything my mum like stands for. <laughs> like but do you know what? I didn't realise it was all like fake in the better comments until I was like twenty one. Yeah. Did you? So, so we were having a conversation at Union and I was like In what? Every you know, like I literally it was like it was like some, it was like when someone told me like Father Christmas wasn't real. I was like, <laughs> like but they like wrestle and stuff. Yeah, but it's not real. <laughs> they didn't really like hit each other with chairs and stuff. I was like, uh, I was like, what? 
How? That's the thing. Every partner I've ever had has asked me, if it's like, you, you do know it's not real, right? Like, really tenderly, I thought it's breaking it to me, and I'm like, yes, it's theatre. <laughs> I remember actually talking about that. I remember the exact moment when I found out Hocus wasn't real, and I was pretty old. I was like 14. <laughs> it was when my mum said, Karma, take a bite out of the Vince Pie and the Carrot for your brother and sister. And I said, Oh, what a way to break and it. And I, I said, So, what do you mean, take a bite out of the Vince Pie oh. and the Carrot? I think, I think. I was actually, I was thinking about this. One of the reasons I think I have an imagination is I've got my brother and sister are quite, not quite a lot younger, but because um, you see his family as well, it's like 20 years, but my sister's like nearly 10 years younger than me. So I, got, I was playing with toys even when I was like, everyone else was like chasing boys and I was still playing with toys when I was like mm. 14 and like, yes, let's make a Barbie house or let's make a Lego sculpture or whatever. But yeah, so, so um, I had quite an imagination, I think. Like, I was still being quite childish when I was, like, 14 or 15. Me too. But um, I think, yeah, so my mum said take a bite out of the carrot and that. And I was devastated. I was like, I was like, I'm going to bed now. <laughs> I remember just, like, literally going upstairs and crying. And I never doubted he had, was real. Because in my, in my head, well, there was the magic, you that's know. That's an extension of the magic for you, though. I think yeah. that's a beautiful thing. You've had a, you've had a longer run. I having having that, and it's the same with the wrestling stuff. They were they were the real life superheroes to me as a kid, and it's like, and it's and I've I've never lost it. I still love it. I'm still in love with it. And um, but I guess go back to my original thing. It's that I got that client, and it was an amazing moment. But then I suddenly thought, well, I'm just still as creatively hungry as I ever was. Yeah. So from that point on, I shifted my focus not to not to clients and specific projects. I mean, I still go after them, and they are still lovely. But but more just about creativity now. I'm like, what yeah. what projects will enable the, the the best creativity and pay me a good wage, you know. That's yeah. that's where I'm at now. And since then, I've worked on the most, you know, the biggest varied range of, of fascinating projects with great people. Yeah, so you're so coming. I, I saw your comment right relief thing yesterday. That looked really good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I mean, obviously they're like massive clients. So congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Yeah. No, it was great. Yeah, like you know, like I suppose again, it's like you know, getting something like that, and you probably didn't even I don't know maybe maybe you did imagine that but like you know no I never never saw that one coming that was completely out of the blue Um, but then Zumba Kids there was another one in Florida and when the brief came through if I'm being honest I was like it's amazing. It was great, and it taught me all these new technical skills that I had to learn on the job, and all this stuff. And that's why these days I'm, I don't know what's coming week to week, but that's not such a bad thing anymore because stuff does come in, and I'm just wide yeah. open now. I don't, I don't take any client face value anymore. I think, actually, speaking of, a well, good example, I got, I did some illustrations for the Reva Journal, speaking of architecture. Yeah, that was great. I loved that. It was such a good creative license because there were these quite heavy academic essays that I had to illustrate, God, and because yeah, of they, that, they, they had to make them look good. You know, yeah. so it was like. It's a great brief, and there was a good, such a good creative license going on there. Another unexpected gem. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think, I think that's the thing. Like when I went to a workshop when I first started, and the guy that ran it was meant to be this like business genius. Because I get a bit sucked in by fads, if I'm honest. Like I'm a bit like this person's like the new business genius. So I go to these talks, <laughs> being like, "Help me with my business. Um, <laughs> give me that interior design project I want." Um, and and I went to it, and I left halfway through because he basically. He was this big, really shouty, really tall, maybe like seven foot guy. And he said, he walked over to everyone and said, what's your business? And then they said, like a bakery. And he said, it's never going to work. What's your business? And they literally walked around and pointed, which I think pointing is so rude as well. <laughs> he stood above you. We all sat down and he walked around and he pointed. And he said, what's your business? That's never going to work. How are you going to be different? Nah, I'm bored already. Nah. Like literally. And he came up to me and he said, what's your business? And I think that's why when you said it earlier, I had a little bit of a freak out. Because I'm still... A little bit, what's the thing like? A bit freaked out when 
from him doing that to me. Mm. And someone also once said to me as well, when I, when I, the first week I started, they said, your pitch is awful. So I still got that little bit of fear, I think, in me. But um, yeah, so he said, what's your business? And I said, well, it's architecture and interiors. And he said, great, you're going to make loads of money. And I said, and product design and exhibition design and, and public consultant. He said, he said, you're not going to make a business out of it. You need to cut it down. You need to do architecture or the other stuff. He said, you're trying to combine art with architecture and it'll never work. No one will ever pay you what you want for the, no, no one will ever pay you what you want for the architecture if you say you're an artist because people assume that artists will do stuff for free. And I was a bit like, and I just thought, you know what? I can listen to this guy who I don't know and I don't really like the way he's talking to everyone else or I can just leave. And I just said, mm. thank you for that. And I just got up and left. And generally, I'm quite open to other people's criticism because I think, you know what? I'm early days, I'll listen. But I also think that there's a level of like, open-mindedness and that's what I yeah. hate when I would someone... Go, I would go against that. I get where he's coming from and I understand the need to sort of present yourself in a certain way depending on the project or who you're going to work with. But yeah. I think I disagree in today's world. I think the, I think the walls are coming down between disciplines. But, but, but also, yeah, looking at the people I've worked for, everyone I've worked for is exactly the kind of practice I want to be. Yeah. You know, everyone I work for has something in them that I aspire to my business. They are, they've done architecture and interiors and product design and stuff for the Venice Biennale and illustrations for you know books and um, money and skateboards and complete random stuff and they're doing it and they're doing it successfully so for him to say that to me I just thought you should do your research mate yeah absolutely like, yeah. because actually the multidisciplinary market is you know it's a multidisciplinary market in architecture really I mean obviously it's been around forever and I'm not making I'm going to make a massive sweeping statement now and probably be really angry but it massively came back in popularity during the recession when people had to, you know, a lot of these practices that I work for were established during the recession because people suddenly had to say, you know, I'm an architect, but I can also, you know, um, do design you, you know, a bespoke chair if you want, if that's because there's, you haven't got the money to build a building or, you know, um, or whatever it is, or actually I'm going to have to now look at public realm stuff because there's not enough in residential, or, or the other way around, take on, a lot of architects say don't like residential, um, because they think, you know, it's, you know, people's houses and, you know, they kind of poo-poo that, but actually, you know, it's it's just another another part of the process, you know, I, you know, I, I think I think any job is, you know, kind of equal in that respect, but, um, but yeah, I think there's a massive now thing about, about multidisciplinary, and I said, I kind of want to help promote that. And I think still, I would say, in London, it's a massive thing. I don't feel it's as big up here yet. But maybe that's because the correct community is slightly younger here. Probably. But I yeah. think that it's not something... I think it's something that literally in the next couple of years will be massive. Like Absolutely. Like, and I think does, everyone and, and will doesn't start... That, doesn't that mean all the more opportunities for someone who can see it coming like you but to go out there and then... Yeah, but the other part I was saying about awards, though, earlier, like... You know, it's quite scary when you're trying to do something that other people yeah. don't do. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite scary when you're trying to do something that uh, other people, you know, haven't, you know, haven't maybe seen yet. And I, and I don't think I'm a pioneer. I think there's so many people working up here in a multidisciplinary way. But what I do think is that not many people talking about it because yeah. they feel like they shouldn't, that they shouldn't be designing something that isn't part of what they're you know what they are putting out as yeah. their thing well as I was saying earlier you always, you always have that guilt when you're going off and doing whatever you yeah know, exactly but... I think I think it's just about promoting that and saying actually it's fine like for someone to come to you and say like someone might come to you for example and say well you should design my house you know <laughs> and you might be like you know what like 
because they love your work so much and they say, but I want your stamp on it, you yeah. know, and then for you to then, you know, work with someone like me or someone else, like, to, to, to make it yeah. happen, you know, and I think that is not, you know, that's not groundbreaking, do you know what I mean? It's not. But, but it's also not talked about as much. It's true and so many agencies are starting to operate that way now in so many fields, as in, we'll do the, we'll get the core of getting the business in and, and having the, the right ethos, but then we'll go out and assemble the team bespoke for each job it's so, so weird that, but I've never understood that literally it blows my mind and this is one of the reasons I stopped working on big 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 buildings and it's why I stopped working when I had a little stint in corporate when I was um when I was being an architect when I kind of lost all hope in the world and I was doing corporate skyscrapers in Croydon and these skyscrapers where developers used to literally I'd draw up a skyscraper in a week pretty much with a team of like three of us it gets sold in China for like 40 billion and then it would get built and then some, and then no local people would ever get to buy those flats and that really didn't sit well for me I think also the most interesting people in my opinion in like many design um, agencies and practices and that are people that haven't studied the subject because they come with a completely different this is a, a common thing that always different. comes up in these interviews people who have either come from a different background started late or have just yeah. landed on the job they, they haven't had the thing coached out of them by the rules almost. yeah but like even like I mean I don't, I don't I wouldn't particularly say I like his work but I have respect for him like someone like Thomas Heatherwick you know who um, was a product designer and is now like you know a big big architect he designed all the London buses but he also designed you know like I think the Olympic Cauldron and stuff like that. So, but he also has done loads of buildings. You know, uh, he does those crazy buildings. And again, it's not they're not really my cup of tea personally. But I have respect for him that he's gone and done it. You know, and like people like Tom Ford and there's loads of people that studied architecture. You know, that now do something else or the other way around. You know, um, and I have so much respect for those people because um, mainly because they come to it with a different, completely different view. And yeah. I think, and also they they are the people that are not. Um, they're people that are confident to um, work in different well maybe they're not, maybe they appear to be uh, but they seem to be confident to work in different, across different things because they've already broken the mould, they've already started by doing not what they're technically meant to be doing yeah. so that then you see like you know, if Thomas Heatherwick designed a set of shoes tomorrow I wouldn't blink twice you know oh yeah, I mean? that's it, again if, as long as you've yeah, but it's understanding what you represent I suppose like, and I always say this but whether I'm writing, talking on this show lecturing, illustrating it's, it's all this kind of haphazard, organic nature, which is my character. Yeah. You know, to put a negative spin on it, I'm clumsy, or I might be like disorganised. Yeah. But that comes across in my drawing style and my writing style. And as the years have gone by, I've kind of grasped that 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 underpins everything I do. Yeah. Therefore, if someone brought me into work like you said on on designing the house, I would be able to bring my ethos to that. But I know also that I would need to bring someone such as yourself in who's, who yeah. knows what they're doing in that field and collaborate which is lovely and I feel like I'm in a place of strength because of that now yeah I think that's the thing isn't it it's when it's, it's I think that's the thing as well it's also just knowing your boundaries of how much you can do I definitely um, sometimes just take on too much like I make something and I, think, and I think actually like there's loads of stuff like I designed my website which is awful um, but it's fine for now but I designed it myself and I made it myself which actually, when I think about that, when I said that to my friend, she was like, you made a website. And I was like, yeah. And then she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, but, you know, like, I didn't have the money to do it any other way. So that's what I did. But, you know, but I now know when my next website comes out, which should hopefully be soon, is that I'll employ someone that professionally does that to do it. Yeah, yeah. But I also, also don't regret doing it myself because 
I learn a lot doing it, you know what I mean? So Yeah, you learn you know, what you don't like about it, what you do like, quite whether you do it again or not. You know, yeah, exactly. So well, otherwise where do you get your parameters of nowhere, your comfort zone is and I think that's competence, so I suppose. But also you never know what's gonna come out of something as well. Like, you know, someone might say to me, Can you design a website just like yours? And I'm like, Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. if you really want this one that's really slow and loading, then that's what I can achieve for you. <laughs> um but yeah, so I suppose that's sort the of thing. Like I think something actually talking, um, I listened to an interview with Jane uh, Boa. Oh, yeah. She basically, I met her when I first started. So she used to freelance at the place I used to work. So I kind of, when I left where I used to work, I straight away went to her and I said, like, help me. Like, you know, tell me the secrets. How do I do this? And, um, and she'd been really helpful, actually. And actually, when I heard her talk where she was saying about everyone being really nice and helping each other out, like, I completely agree with her. Like, she would want those people for me. And, um... She said to me, the biggest thing you can do is personal projects, you know, so, um, yeah, like, like if I wanted to design websites, the best thing is to do my website, do you know it what is, I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't particularly want to design websites, but if I did want to, you know, so, you know, one of my big things for this year, like, the massive goal at the end of this year is buying my own house and, not house, I want a flat, I want, I want the smallest flat available in town, like, I want, like, the smallest, most dingy flat in town and I'm like I'm really obsessed with tiny Japanese like things that fall out the wall um like origami kind of architecture and um so I want to create my own flat and that I think is going to be this interior project that I talked about my first interior project because um yeah so I I completely take on board what she says about the personal project thing you know stop moaning about it if you want to do it do it do it you know what I mean like stop stop saying oh I really wish I had that client and do it that stuff happened because every week I'm going hello I know about the TV show every week I watch it I can draw them use me and eventually something came up you know yeah exactly so I think I'm my own worst enemy in doing that like I'm very good at giving advice to other people and not good at taking it myself Mm. but it takes time to do that yeah but like also money as well I think when you first start having that pot of money, like, like I desperately want to like design like my own range of rugs and stuff, um, and like, but in order to do that, I need seven hundred quid to do the first one. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that yeah. happen. So you know, does that come out of my house fund? You know, do I stop? Mm. You know, um, you know, and house fund's not that big right now, so <laughs> it's early days. So, um, but like, you know, I- I'm constantly in my house fund at the moment, constantly thinking. Should I just stop saving for this house and, you know, got enough in there right now I could do the rug range, I can maybe do a bit of furniture, you know, that I want to do. But then I'm like, no, bigger goal, bigger goal, constantly, you know, bigger goal. But, you know, personal projects do take money, you know, and, and, it, and more than that, they take time and having that free time to do it. But I'm hoping, as I said, I, as I, said, I teach, you know, a lot around my, support my practice. Um, and also because I love teaching, like, I absolutely love mm. inspiring other people, which comes from, I think, the thing I was talking about, about wanting to help everyone all the yeah. time. Sometimes at my own detriment, I'm like, been up since two preparing this lecture, <laughs> just so that you guys know how to make a concept. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, like, exhausted, stood there, and my students were like, do you want to get a coffee? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> cool, like, but, you know, but, um, yeah, so I think, uh, I think which one I thought, I do that a lot, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think, yeah, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so bad at just going off tangent, so... Um, no, yeah. but you're right, it's, it's dedication and commitment and passion, and uh, they all come with ups and downs, so... It's like, it sounds exciting, though. I can't wait to see where, where things go. Yeah, hopefully, as I said, these things that are in my sketchbook. I've got a great sketchbook. Yeah. If anyone wants to buy a sketchbook... Nice. Of great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
then yeah, I just hope that some things that are in the sketchbook uh, materialise into, I'm sure they will. They into be, built projects. I mean, just met you a few times, I think. I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah, I hope, <laughs> I hope, I hope so. Um, so yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. And if not, we'll just have cake on my first year anniversary. Yeah. Well, there you go, yeah. Maybe <laughs> cake, so yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, the last question I ask everyone to call the shark in the tank, I ask them for a love and a hit about their creative practice. It can be as silly or as serious as you want. Uh, I suppose linking on things you said, love and hate at the same time, imagination, as we were talking about, I suppose. My imagination being my double-edged sword, um, giving, me, giving me the ideas to create original work, but also driving me nuts in my spare time <laughs> and making me freak out and think I'm not good enough constantly. Um, and, um, but also, I suppose, another good and bad, I'll just take two, um, everyone... Again, being open people that people that are open minded and do work in this multidisciplinary way and love it when you know and support everyone doing it and mm. kind of encourage it and then also the other side, people that like that guy that comes up to me and says, You can't do that and that shut down people working across disciplines and shut down creativity in any way, I think. Yeah. So I suppose Two, Great answers. Yeah. Really good answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Sorry, I'm just jabbering on. No, it's not. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and where can people find your work? Um, so on my author website, yay! Um, so on my website, um, but um, also, so that's www.playgrounddesignstudio.com. Um, also on my Instagram, which is at playgrounddesignstudio, or they can follow me on Instagram at colin and um, it's basically just a load of fun, crazy stuff I see as I walk around different cities and travel. Um, so yeah, and hopefully they'll be able to find my work in lots of different places in Manchester when it gets built. Fantastic. <laughs> be the best place, so yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been thank a pleasure. You. Thank you very much to Cam for taking the time to come and enlighten me with her wonderful energy. Uh, real fascinating character. I love spending time with her. She's a great person. Real important part of the current Manchester creative scene. And Playground is up to some exciting stuff and really going to be going places. So do keep an eye on them over at playgrounddesignstudio.com. They're on the social media. As ever, sh- uh, links will be in the show notes on the SoundCloud. Scroll down and have a look on the desktop version if you want to check those out. But she's not a hard lady to find. Uh, and her work is doing awesome stuff at the minute so go and dive deeper on that one um cool characters cheers karma uh so like i said coming up one more show to go before i take a little extended leave of absence from this thing it's been fun uh we'll get into all the thanks and everything on the next episode but cheers as ever for listening quick thank you to the sponsors illustrationweb.com uh, the AOI.com, the Association of Illustrators. The last episode is going to be with a wonderful illustrator, Dion Kitchen, and we're going to be talking self-promotion. It's quite a deep one. Going to have to plan the intro for that one and cover a few bases, just like we did on the Pricing Creativity episode with Blair Ends, going back a little while. So go and check that out. Um, I'm not going to start rattling off previous episodes. They're all out there. They're on all the usual channels, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all of that stuff. Stitcher, if you want to listen offline. And of course, soundcloud.com forward slash arrest all mimics. Go and catch up, go and listen. Let me know where, where you want the show to go in the future. Always listening to the listeners. So cheers. Have an awesome week. Uh, thank you. Quickly, to I've just thanked them. God, I've lost it. I'm off. Have a good week. See you in a bit.